0: Up close with Carlos Sang, celebrating art, entertainment, and the human spirit. Um, welcome to a brand new season of Up Close with Carlos Seng. Um, For my first episode, I'm so excited to be having one of my favourite actors with us joining. Um, he is about to open a brand new play at the Royal Court Theatre by Alison McDowell. I am so thrilled to be joined by Fisayo Akonade. Uh Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: Um, yeah, so you were last at the Royal Court for Pigs and Dogs back in 2016. Um, how does it feel to be back at the Royal Court like nearly five years later?
1: Um, It feels really lovely, Um, it's such a nice place to work and I've wanted to do a play here, like a full length play here for um, years, so it's really lovely to be back and especially um, on this play because I think it's a very special um, thing that Ali, uh, Alistair McDowell has written, so yeah I'm thrilled to be back.
0: Absolutely. Um yeah, this is your third time at the Royal Court. Um so I was wondering like why do you think like this theatre has become such a beloved institution among theatregoers?
1: Um I think they really push the boundaries of what theatre can be. Um I also think it's like a, a, an inherently theatrical space. I think a lot of their plays don't really lend themselves to naturalism, you know. Um there's always something slightly off kilter about the plays they put on which I think is really interesting and I think it draws a different crowd I think a a more varied crowd than than kind of most theatres in London Um, and because all the plays are new there's always like new perspectives being sort of unearthed with every show they're not always successful but they're always new you know they're always trying to explore something new and different which I think is really exciting
0: Definitely. And of course, there's been a lot of speculation around The Glow, you know, following the success of X and Pomona. Um, What was it about this script which really drew you to this project and to your character?
1: Um, I think it was, I I read it out loud to my partner, like a novel. (laughs) So in the first, um, so within the first five pages, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And uh, I don't want to give anything away, but something happens. which which uh, uh, completely sort of shatters what you believe of the play. So it sort of establishes itself as one thing and then becomes something like completely different. So it was that, it was, it tapped into a very geeky side of me that, um, that uh, loves, I really love it when there's things in a play and you can be like, oh my God, that links to that bit. And that's because of this. And so it was loads of that in it, which was really exciting. And also the opportunity to work with Alistair, work with Vicky and um, play uh, multiple characters was also uh, quite enticing.
0: Oh wow! Um, yeah, I guess also you know one of the privileges of doing new material is having the privilege of having the playwright around as well. So I was wondering, you know, whether you could talk about you know the collaboration process between you and the cast, but also with um, the director Vicky Featherstone, and also having um, Alice McDowell in the room as well. Like, what's that process like?
1: Um, it's it's hands down one of the nicest rehearsal rooms as I've, I've ever been in. It's it's unbelievable. It's just the warmest, friendliest room and environment um and obviously it's only a cast of 4 so it's me uh Rhea Reiki and Tig and you couldn't ask for like better actors to work with and better people to be surrounded by they're all just brilliant and lovely um and Ali <laughs> I feel like Alistair's like the universe's like a gift to me <laughs> like he's literally like my ideal playwright like we 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 have a lot of similarities and um I just think he's brilliant, and he has like a huge capacity for empathy, which I just think is amazing and um and then Vicky is just i don't think I've met an artistic director like her mm-hmm. she is really um she's really about the work and really about the people, and that really shows in how she runs the room it's sort of uh awe inspiring really um and she kind of gets all this stuff out of us without pushing, you know, she's yeah, she's brilliant. It's been amazing. I've had the best time.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, coming to see you in the Antipodes at the national back in 2019, which yeah. looking back feels like a different world. Um, <laughs> yeah. <did> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a while. So um, how, how do you feel about performing for a live audience again as well?
1: I'm really excited because obviously, you know, 2020 was a a disaster for theater um, in a lot of ways, but also um, what was really lovely was that I got to do a lot of screen work in that time. And that was like really, really lovely. I was able to still work. And, you know, I I consider myself very lucky because I know that wasn't the case for a lot of people, but I was, I became desperate to do a play Mm. and, um, For it to be this play written by Alistair at the Royal Court with Vicky just feels very special and I feel very lucky to be um, back doing it. And I I cannot wait to be in front of an audience. It's been, yeah, two years, over two years, I guess, um, since that happened. So I'm really, really excited to be back in in a room full of people and responding live to what we're doing
0: definitely um yeah we have been you know so fortunate to see you on screen as well you know whilst theatres have been closed you know personal life of david copperfield and silent witness very english scandal um do you get recognized much nowadays you know when you're out and about on the streets um um
1: minimally uh and you know it's normally like I don't know who you are, but you, you look like the guy from that thing. You know, there's no real, they don't really know what they know me from. They just sort of have a guess. But what's happened more recently because of, you know, the National Theatre's um, streaming service and stuff, a lot more people are going, oh, I saw you in that play. And that feels really um, lovely because I think being recognised for a play feels very different to being recognised for that being that guy off the telly. Um, I think there's something a bit more personal about being recognised in in a play because you from a play sorry because you it's like an it's like a it's like a one-time event you know you go and see a play and you usually only see a play once so to remember someone from a play has a I guess a, a greater significance so to be remembered for like something I did you know eight years ago is like really lovely I'm like oh that's really Really nice. Yeah,
0: definitely. I remember, you know, watching the Barbershop Chronicles, you know, when it was on. And I remember just like standing up in my living room at the end. I was so um enraptured (laughs) by it. Um, did you did you get to watch those back at all? Like, you know, Anthony and Cleopatra and Barbershop Chronicles.
1: Yeah, I did, yeah. It was really like um lovely, especially watching Barbershop because that play was such a joy to do. Um, and like I was watching it going, oh my god, we were corpsing so much. There's so many times in that play that the audience aren't aware of, but we were just laughing our way through scenes, (laughs) which was really um, fun to revisit. Uh, And yeah, yeah, it was really nice because, you know, you don't get to see yourself on stage, really. So Mm. the fact that The National had that archive of all those shows was um, lovely.
0: Yeah, and of course doing Romeo and Juliet as well with Simon Godwin yeah. again. Um, what was that experience like, you know, filming on the Littleton stage and doing it you know, for canvas. Um,
1: it was a really, like, really strange, really lovely, but it was also the first time any of us had worked in, like, a year. Um, so, like, just getting back into the swing of things was a bit uh, tricky. Um, and there was a lot of learning to do, because it was like, how do we do this play that isn't staged but is on a staged stage but isn't a film but is a film and it was sort of like how do we make this hybrid thing so we were all trying to work it out at the same time um but it was a really it ended up being a really sort of joyous experience and I I made some really good friends on that and um yeah I, I think I'm 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 kind of proud of what we ended up making, even though the road there was um <laughs> bumpy to say the least.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was a lovely thing to watch, I remember. Um I guess also like you know, in today's world, you know, a lot of us are quite caught up in the world of, you know, social media. And I was, you know, quite surprised to see that you were somewhat absent from, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And I was just like wondering why that was and whether that might change in the future.
1: Um, so I was on social media for for, for years, you know, um, and I had an Instagram and a Twitter and all that stuff. And then 2020 happened and George Floyd happened and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement happened. And I was just seeing things on Twitter that were like, um, I just found incredibly insensitive. Or fraudulent I guess and I was like I don't want to be a part of that so I, I left Twitter sort of maybe March or April and then um I guess I just started seeing social media as not necessarily a good thing and a lot of the reason I was on there was like promotion and stuff like that and yes like catching up with friends but then you realize that the, these people that you're trying to impress or um, trying to show how busy you are by working and whatnot. They're not your your friends. You're not gonna call them at 2 a.m. with your problems and they don't know your sister's name or, um, you know, like they don't remember your birthday or whatever it is, you know, and um, I found that there was a lot of um, activism that was happening that didn't go beyond sharing posts. And so I just was like, I don't really want to be a part of this thing that's taking up so much of my time and headspace. You know, I didn't Mm. want to be um, a part of it. And it also just didn't make me very happy. Mm. I I just ended up getting like very envious of like I'd I'd see a friend doing really well. And instead of being happy for that friend, I'd be jealous. Mm. And I don't think that's a normal reaction. And if I... And now I'm off it when the same friend tells me they're doing something amazing. I'm just nothing but happy for them. So there was something about like seeing it through this thing that made it, um, that that they're like tainted it. So I, it just wasn't healthy for me, I don't think. So, yeah, I've I've left. They're all deleted. And uh, I don't think I'll go back because I feel happier and lighter without it. And I think there was a bit of a myth that like... Um, you need to be on there to have a successful career or stay relevant or any of that stuff because i I don't think you do
0: no I, I no is there a part of you that misses any of it at all though like do you miss you know like being able to like just scroll through and see updates um, I guess
1: I, I I guess initially I felt like i'd I'd cut my ears off and I couldn't hear like I didn't know what was going on in the world anymore, but then you just find alternate ways of of getting news stories or information. Um, it also means it's just less less crowded in here because you you're you can make up your own mind about news stories and things. I guess I miss there are people that I miss, like uh, Daniel Vitales, who is an actress and she's just brilliant. She was in Seven Methods of Killing Ki- Kylie Jenner at the core. And um, she was very funny on Instagram and like a few of the people that would just like would post really great memes or there would be really good, like cooking pages that I'd enjoy. But um I don't really miss it. No, I sort of I sort of and whenever I do get shown something from it, I'm like, nah, yeah, funny, nah. it's not it's not really the same. So I guess I miss some of the conversations I had with people and, um, you know, because there were a few times uh, drama school students would like reach out to me and stuff. And I feel a bit bad that like if not that I was there were loads of them, but if there were somebody who wanted to reach out, they now couldn't. That's maybe something I, I, I regret or uh, miss, but I don't miss social media in any significant way.
0: Okay, um, you've been a very vocal advocate for better representation and diversity in the arts. Um, I was wondering, you know, how would you describe the current theatre landscape in this respect at the moment? Um,
1: I think it's like a big old pendulum and it's swung one way and it's the, the, and it's got a very big reaction behind it, um, which is great. It means a lot more work from uh, different communities, uh, people from different um, uh, ethnic backgrounds is being made and, and celebrated. And that's really, really wonderful. But um, I feel, <laughs> maybe this is wrong, but I feel that a lot of it is um, for optics. And if you look at the boards of certain theatres or um, the, the 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 people in positions of power in those theatres and institutions and production companies, there's not been any sort of shift at all. And so I, I feel like a lot of the changes that people have made are, are cosmetic. They're not actually um, doing the work in the way they, they say they are, they're sort of, um, uh, uh doing it in a sort of like in a facade way which means that they are not really having to address the things that have led theatre to be what it is today mm. they're just sort of putting a little plaster over like I don't know like a like a sword slash or something hoping that it'll mend it and it won't. So it's it's great, but the work has to go deeper. It's all very surface level. Mm. We have to like structurally change the industry and that's happening slowly. Um, you know, there's like great initiatives happening and you know, Channel 4 are doing really good things and like loads of people are doing really good things and starting these initiatives. But if you don't get to the root cause of the problem, the problem will stay there. Because the issue isn't the surface. We can make the surface as black and Asian and gay and you know all of it as, as we like. But if, if the root cause doesn't change, if the roots aren't different, then the problem will persist forever.
0: Of course. Do you still feel like there's a, like an element of elitism in theatre at all? Like, you know, it's those for um, like a certain class of people.
1: A little bit. Yeah. I mean,
0: like, I mean, you look at
1: um, what's the show on in the West End at the moment with Jesse Buckley? Um, a cabaret. Cabaret. Right. And you look at ticket prices. Who who can afford to go? Like, what person who isn't from particular background or has a well-paid job or, you know, has £200 spare can go and see that show? And yes, they have a certain set number of um, cheaper tickets, but they're, like, right at the back, you know? Um, and I... I feel like until we challenge and I understand because theatre has been decimated so that it needs to make its money. So it's not necessarily that show's fault. So I don't, I'm just singling now as a show that's on at the moment. that is quite expensive. But um, I do feel that we're in a we're, we're in a place where theatres need to make money. So they need to, to, to have ticket prices that high. But I, but I think all that does is perpetuate the problem of inequality in theatre. And it, and it and it and it pushes it into a, a level of elitism that is um just a bit gross i think unfortunately um mm. and i don't really know what the answer is because you know people have to make their money they have to um so you know as in theaters do so i don't i don't know what the answer is but yeah mm. and also because of the pandemic people have had to do even more stunt casting and cast you know big name stars in shows to get people to go to the theatre so the theatres can stay alive, you know? Um, And so I'm hoping that like, please, like once COVID is over, we just get like bums on seats and ticket prices can come down and it can be a more um, equal playing field because there's so many people that want to get into it and and then they see what's being programmed and there's nothing for them or nothing that represents them. And it's sort of, you want, I want that to change. And it is changing. Like I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer. It really is changing and there's amazing initiatives all over all across the industry. A hundred percent. But I just feel like there's more work to be done, you know
0: yeah yeah, definitely. um I suppose like you know these last two years have been really eye opening and we can see you know the inequality and you know the lack of inclusiveness um and I suppose you know a lot of us have gone through a you know a lot you know in one way or another um yeah. in what ways do you think the pandemic has changed you and you know what have you learned about yourself during this period? I think I've just
1: matured a lot um and I take less um <laughs> I take less uh, nonsense from people i suppose um and that i'm uh i i i've i've learned to value my own voice a lot more, and I have an appreciation for um honesty from the people I choose to surround myself with um and yeah I think I've just grown up a bit. Mm. sort of it sort of makes you come come fake all that time you know with yourself or with you and your partner or you it it, it forces you to, it forces introspection and so I've had I think I've gone through quite a a, a big uh, uh emotional and mental growth spurt <laughs>
0: Amazing. I mean, yeah, you've you've had you know a remarkable career, you know, on stage and on screen. You know, doing Shakespeare at the National and the Globe, and you know, also working with Russell T Davis on a number of projects as well. Um, Where do you hope your post COVID career takes you? (laughs) Um,
1: I honestly just want to work forever, (laughs) Uh, uh, and and um, I love the theatre, and if I could do that forever, that would be wonderful. I'd like to do <laughs> this is so silly because I really love um theater and artistry and art and playwrights and all that stuff but there is a big part of me that just wants to do an action movie <laughs> I just want to do one just to see I just really would love to do that so um just one I don't want like a massive franchise or like spend ten years doing a bunch of films I just just an action movie would be um personally very satisfying but um if I could just do plays by Alistair McDowell for the rest of my life, that would also be fine.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Um, have you had the chance to see much theatre yourself, you know, since theatres have opened? Um, have you been Yeah. about?
1: Yeah, so I saw um, Is God Is at the at the court um, recently, which is probably the best thing I've seen um, since since I started going back to the theatre. It was just excellent. Um, it's a really like well-written play. And Tamara Lawrence and... Um, Adelaide were in it and they were just like sublime and Celia Noble it was it was really really excellent um so yeah and I'm just hoping and it was a good crowd as well you know like theatres are it's coming back so yeah I've 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 enjoyed some of the theatre I've seen yeah
0: and yeah, coming back to the glow as well. Um I saw Alison McDowell said in a recent article that you know he wanted to really catch people's surprise and um <laughs> you know play with expectations. Um what do you hope audiences will take away from seeing the glow? Um I hope they'll they'll leave
1: and go, I need to see it again <laughs> because there's a lot in it. And I, I I hope they they um stick around because there is uh there's a lot to it. There's a lot more to it than than it seems. There's more to it than meets the eye, you know. Um, and also it, because Ali is such an empathetic, uh, deeply emotional writer, um, there are there are themes that are explored of, of grief and, and loss and identity that are just so um, beautifully articulated. I think it would, I think it will speak to a lot of people on, on a very deep personal level.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's something that's very relevant for, you know, a post-Covid um, society. Um, that is the last question. Um, how would you finish this sentence? Visayo um, Arcanade is? <laughs>
1: um, happy with himself. <laughs> with who, he's
0: happy with who he
1: is. There we go.
0: Uh, Fisayo Arcanade, thank you so much for your time.
1: Not at all. Thank you. It was really lovely. Thank you.